Welcome to episode 61 of the Fantasy Alarm Baseball Podcast. We are coming down the stretch. We are down to about 12 games remaining after we record here on Tuesday night. Uh, with that dirty dozen remaining, bringing in my sidekick, Colby Conway. How are things going for you? Hey, we're doing well. The season's coming to an end. We got football started. Don't forget about the uh, your fantasy baseball apps. I'm still in a couple leagues, and I'm I'm fighting and scrapping for for a title. We're fingers crossed. It's it's so wild. Like uh, my 12 team league that we redrafted just for this season. That's normally a keeper. Uh, one day I'll be in first with 101 points. Then I wake up the next morning, I'm down to 93. Then the next day I'm up to 96. It's like so volatile. I think every game is going to matter. We're going to speak to some of that uh, later in the podcast. But speaking of every game matters, which is a nice segue for us, uh, the playoff bubble was announced, and and I, I hope they can make the things work in California with the air quality and all the things going on out there. And we got the National League bubble down in Texas. But a big announcement came. A lot of people were talking about it. Uh, is no days off in the AL and the and the, in the uh, in the divisional and championship series in the leagues here. Uh, it's kind of taken some teams aback in how they possibly approach the deadline and things of other nature. Um, th- does this come as a bit of a surprise with the no days off? I mean, I guess it makes sense when you're in the bubble. You want to get these things rolling, but. Um, you know, it, it really, to me, puts teams with uh, rotational depth at a major advantage. So a team like Cleveland gets a major boost by this sort of format. How do you feel? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of in the NBA playoffs where they asked Jamal Murray about when they said he had two days off. He was almost surprised that he had days off and they weren't going out there and playing the next day. Uh, MLB won't really have that luxury. They're going to go out there. They're going to play, you know, every day and they're going to keep working their way through. Is it surprising? Maybe for us, I'm, I'm, I would think someone had to have had some knowledge that that was going to happen um, in the way they set it up. So we'll have to see. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the teams with more rotational depth get a boost. I also think, too, as we come down the stretch, you know, we, we harp every game matters, but maybe now more than ever, because if you can get there and you can clinch a spot or, you know, lock in where you're going to be, get your guys an extra day off or two and try to get mm-hmm. right before you're playing you know, 18 days in a row or whatever it could end up being if you max out everything. So absolutely, I think these games matter. And it's now it's even for those teams that were buying for the best record, like lock it up, get your spot, rest your guys, and then get ready for the, uh, at that point, it's kind of like a sprint marathon almost. We're kind of caught in the middle. It's every day, but you could be playing, you know, upwards of two weeks in a row, two weeks plus. Yeah. As if we didn't have enough things to try and deal with. And, and this happens in DFS too. Uh, I'm I'm upset today because I benched Ryan Yarbrough. He had been struggling his last couple of outings, and then Tampa Bay decides uh, early this afternoon, obviously after lineups locked on Monday in a weekly format, that they were going to put an opener in front of him, which is how he really made his uh, made his breakout two years ago when he won 17 games. And he last I saw, he was up two to zero, although the Nationals were threatening a little bit. But, I mean, that that would have been tangible information for me to have on Sunday or Monday before the lineup's locked, not after. It's just all of these late-breaking things. It just It's just added a new level of uh, difficulty to this sprint of a season. Uh, it's just everything just seems to compound upon itself. Uh, I think the other interesting part about the playoffs is, is like, you know, the Yankees. Do you, do you use Garrett Cole in Game 1 and Game 4? 
do you save him for a game five in this thing? I mean, we thought two pocket aces could kind of get you somewhere in these five game series. And now with, with no days off, you don't get that luxury. So, um, you know, you're probably only going to be able to have somebody. I, I don't think Cole really pitched that great last year in the playoffs working on three days rest. So you're looking at him at one, one and five. So you've got to try and win one of those three in the middle. Are the Yankees going to try and do this with DAV Cruz? Are they going to go with a hybrid approach with like a, a Hap and somebody else? I mean, is it is this going to be something you're talking about planning out your rotation, but you're going to have to plan out how you run these hybrids as well, correct? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't think you're going to see, and you kind of, I was, I, when you were talking about it, I was going to say, I don't know if we're going to get anybody game one and four. It's a pretty quick turnaround. So one and five yeah. is probably, probably more likely, but yeah, I maybe the Yankees didn't realize it. I'm not sure if they're set up. I don't think they also helped themselves going with what felt like two and 18 in a 20 game stretch. A little bit of exaggeration there. So that definitely didn't help them at all. But it seems like turning around a bit. But yeah, I don't know. They're not a team. I don't they can get hot. They're getting some guys back, which I believe we'll talk about a little bit uh, later. But they're they're but not a pitch. Yeah, and exactly. And if they did, well, they the get exception hurt anyway. of one, but he's a, you know, a long reliever. They'd get hurt anyway if they pitched, so we're not missing much. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see here. So I think one of the big winners in all of this, and, and they're locking horns with the team in first place in their division right now, are the Padres. Um, I think they have more rotational depth right now than the Dodgers, and they have a better bullpen in my estimation, especially if you go over the last two weeks, uh, the Dodgers bullpen starting to show some cracks. They had the leading ERA at the beginning of the year, but you know, Kenley Jansen had that ugly implosion the other day. Um, he's not getting any younger. I think it's something that they've never addressed uh, in this, in this window to win a championship. And I, I think it could be something that really bites them in the butt. Um, I mean, if, if you're going into the postseason, you, you definitely agree with me that you'd rather have the Padres starters and relievers than the Dodgers. Yeah, 100. I'm, I'm, I love San Diego. They're so much fun to watch. I think a couple of weeks ago I tweeted, I kind of wish I was a Padres fan because they are fun to watch and they got a lot of talent, obviously with Tatis and some of those young pitchers. Let's hope that Paddock can get right. That's all I'm saying. Kind of develop that some of that off speed, especially the curveball, and get it going. Hopefully he can be all right. But absolutely, I still want the Padres. Yeah, he was thrown on the side the other day. I, uh, I'm not sure if he's going to make a start this week. I also benched him in the TGFBI just because I had no idea what was going to happen. So uh, I actually rolled out with like four closers this week just trying to make up a little ground and saves because I had so many difficult decisions to make in the rotations. I just decided to, to flood it with the arms and, and maybe pick up like one of those cheap wins or something of that nature. And so we'll we'll move on from there. Uh, we did we're gonna go through some player news and updates. We did get a reader question about a player. I want to delve into him for a minute, but I I think him and some other guys are gonna get clumped into the same thing. Uh, Leland Tanglieri, I know he's pretty active with me, especially talking about closers and other things on Twitter. And I appreciate all of uh, all of the stuff that he does for his sites that he does things with as well. Uh, he wanted us to speak a little bit about Scott Kingery. Um, I almost think this is a lost season for Scott Kingery. Uh, the COVID stuff really put him behind the eight ball. I mean, you know, that that three-week startup didn't help anybody as far as hitters or pitchers trying to ramp up for this season. It's been a very 
wild, wild outcome as we move through this 60-game sprint. Um, I almost think we're going to give him a pass. Uh, I, I'll, I'll wait for your thoughts on him as well. Uh, we spoke off air about something else. I'll let you allude to it as we try and evaluate some of these guys. But, you know, I, with with Kingery's performance this year, do you think it makes him a very steep discount next year? And see someone you'll be you'll be targeting, and you know, give me your thoughts on the things we spoke about off air. Yeah, I, I think you almost have to give him a pass. Um, you had mentioned off air about uh, kind of Yon Moncada, and I mentioned when he had the, I believe he was talking with a reporter or something. He said it was still bothering him. He was still feeling like he wasn't quite a hundred percent and everything like that. So it's pretty much a lost year, and it's tough to really evaluate what we take away from this season, especially for some of those guys that did deal with COVID. Not everyone came out and was able to really bounce, I guess, fully back, you know, like Freddie Freeman had a nice little run there and was doing well and not everyone could quite get back to that level. But a guy like Scott Kingery, you just look at everything and it's not just like it's a couple things are down. You just look at literally everything. The launch angles down, exit velocity is down, barrel race down, his sprint speed is down. It's not, it's not just a couple things and it's like, oh, you know, the, his launch angles down, everything else stayed the same. So, oh, COVID, you know, it's not something like that. Everything's down. We'll have to see. It's it's a very weird year. How much do we extrapolate from this season? I think it depends on the player. Certain guys, we might be able to say maybe this parlays in the next year. But really, with any of these guys that had COVID and I think who were more so adamant in speaking outwards about how they dealt with it or how it basically impacted them, someone like Kingery, I think he gets a pass. I'll be in on him next year. I was in on him this year, too, uh, just like you said, I, th- I think a lost year is kind of the best way to describe it. Yeah, and, and we're going to have to take all of that. And, you know, I know we've spoken about the player profiles for next season are going to be maybe the wildest ones we've ever done because you're going to have to try and mine information from this year, compare it to last year, take the last two years' results as a whole, and maybe combine them into one um, possible projection and range of outcomes. It's... Very, very curious. And then, of course, free agency and how players get treated and the moves. And, you know, you got Atlanta firing all their scouts today. It's just there's so much going on with baseball. It's going to be so, so difficult to figure out all of these things. Uh, An interesting tip that I I saw come across the Twitter feed today. Washington shut down Tannerini because it was, quote, a lost season. Uh, Their beat writer, Brick Rowley, quoted in, in her tweet saying that he is the closer of the future. So that did catch my eye. Um, I've spoken before and there's interviews with Daniel Hudson saying he told Davey Martinez, he's more comfortable as a setup reliever than as a closer, even though he's got nine saves, I believe this season. Do, do you think Tanner Rainey could take over the closer role as soon as next season? Uh, I really liked how he, um, improved this year, especially in the swinging strike rate, and he looked a lot more comfortable in his skin for the Nationals in high leverage. Yeah, it's some interesting things when you take a look at, uh, you know, some of his percentile rankings in terms of over on Baseball Savant with the stat cast uh, below average in terms of exit velocity and hard hit rate, yet he's in the 93rd percentile for uh, expected batting average, good velo, 99th percentile in strikeouts. So the lost season thing is interesting, but perhaps the closer for 2021 is perhaps more interesting, to be honest. But like you said, 99th percentile whiff rate, it's all there. ERA is good. 
ex or expected batting average is down. We'll have to see. I don't like the 18 and a half degree launch angle from this year, but last year it was seven and a half degrees. So this this will be a guy when we do his profile next year. What do we buy into more? And it doesn't help that in 2018 it was smack dab in the middle at 14.4 <laughs> degrees. So I have to kind of go back a little bit and see what it's at there. But no, I think he can take over in 2021, and especially when you got a guy like Hudson saying, "I'm honestly more comfortable in uh, the setup role." The door's open for Rainey. Yeah, at, you know, she's meeting lost season at the Nationals have no chance at the playoffs. Right. But yeah, you know, it's just there's there's nothing to be gained by making him run out there. I think they don't want to risk any sort of an injury with him. They already got Doolittle back on the shelf. Uh, you know, it's it's and and that's part of the reason I'm not scared to target the Nationals going forward in the schedule. But I don't want to get to that because that's one of the things we're wrapping up with. There's a lot of things going on with the Rangers uh, there. You know, we've we've talked about them being kind of maybe in a rebuild. They they tried to sign those veteran pitchers to maybe go for the expanded playoffs this year. It didn't work out. They were unable to trade Lance Lynn and decided not to trade Joey Gallo at the trade deadline. But they've told Rugnet Odor and Elvis Andrews that they will have to earn playing time next year or learn other positions. So this changes a little bit of their stance. So it sounds like they're really buying into what Chris Woodward's doing down there. And it puts a couple of these guys, basically it's going to be put up or shut up next spring. Um, does this, I mean, I, I probably wasn't really going to be in on either player for next year. Does this impact your thoughts with those two at all? I mean, I'm never really in on Odor or Andrews, but somehow I always end up with one of them. It's just how it always ends up working out. But I'm not surprised by Odor. I mean, yeah, the pop was there from 2016 to 2019. But, you know, sure, three 30-plus home run seasons those years. But between 2017 and now, we've also had three seasons with a 205 or lower batting average. Yeah, I, don't even, I don't even think if he, could, if he could go five for four, and I said that correctly, five for four in every single game the rest of the way, he probably still doesn't even touch the Mendoza line. Um, it's been a rough year for him, but yeah, he has to earn it. Andrews at least gives you a little bit of speed fantasy wise, but at this point, if Andrew or if, if Odor is not leaving the yard with above average frequency, like this year, six bombs and 97 at bats, it's okay. But when you're hitting 155 and if you play in OBP leagues, he's at 210 with six walks and 97 at bats, he has no use on your team. So I'm not surprised that he is going to have to fight for playing time. Andrews is interesting. Cause like I said, fantasy wise, he gives you a little bit of speed. Um, but now they have Kiner Falefa, so I think he's going to be my new Ranger that always ends up on my team. But I'm okay with him. And, For sure. He'll you know, be a fun one to own. Yeah, he's, and he actually has shown speed this year. I mean, yep. get, getting Kiner Falafa as catchers, as catcher eligible this year was an absolute steal. I, I know I spoke about that often in the preseason. I was on SiriusXM with Fenstein Arona saying the same thing, uh, you know, Having having those stolen base upside at catcher and two catcher leagues was just criminal. But I, I think a lot of people ignored it, especially even in the redrafts. Um, my my catchers in that redraft 12 team league ended up being Austin Nola and Kiner Falafa. And, and that was by design because I wasn't going to pay full retail for some of the catchers at where they were going and their ADP. I did like Grandall and Real Muto, but at the same token, I was getting those guys way later and I've still been getting good production from both of them. I had to wait a little bit for Nola to get that catcher eligibility in the one league, but it's paid off in spades. Um, the Rangers also promoted a young reliever today, uh, Demarcus Evans. I think he's 6'5". He's a hulking kind of a guy. 
Um, I, I know that they're looking for pieces of the future. I think he's someone we have to track as possibly a future high leverage arm. I don't think the Rangers will give him safe situations this season, but we might see him in the seventh inning and see if he can rack up some strikeouts. I know he's dealt with some controlled issues in the past, uh, repeating his pitches and, and, and command with that size coming up through the system, but he's an intriguing arm. And we'll talk about one other uh, possible closer of the future a little later on. But um, as you're highlighting right now, as I'm looking at it, the, the Yankees have been very busy. They activated Gio Urshela, Giancarlo Stan. They're both in the lineup tonight. I believe the Yankees already have uh, 12 runs up on the board. And they also got Jonathan Loisiga back to help out in uh, long relief. They sent out Mike Ford, Miguel Andujar, who was actually hitting, but it doesn't matter. The Yankees just seem to be sour on him. He needs to change the scenery. And Clark Schmidt went to the minors, and they're saying, Aaron Judge will be back at some point this week. So um, we, we know they're going to have to get a best of these guys to get them ready for the postseason. So are you comfortable activating uh, Stanton and Judge as soon as, as they are available in your leagues? Or are you kind of taking a wait-and-see approach depending on your roster? Yeah, if I have the luxury, I'll wait. But if not, I'll get them in there. Uh, I'm just happy that they're leaving Clint Frazier there. I'm surprised. I was, when I when I saw these guys, I was like, well, I already know one guy who's going down. That's just <laughs> how it's going to happen. But they're leaving him there. So that's that's exciting um, for those who are racking up his stats. But, yeah, if you have the luxury, you can wait on Stanton and Judge. But if it comes to, you know, closer to the weekend, you got to make that decision. Maybe you wait. But if you need the home runs, I, I think they can come back and produce right away. So, again, if I have the luxury, I'm waiting. If not, I – it's not the worst thing in the world to add Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge to your lineup down the street. Yeah, of course not. Well, they, they, the Yankees were saying that they were going to leave Frazier in this time, that he's earned his playing time. I think it'll be Brett Gardner. Yeah, that, he earned it the past three the times, at-bats. too. What's that? He earned it the past three times, too. It well, didn't stop him then. <laughs> I, I think this time with Gardner not hitting, it makes it a lot easier for him to make it happen. So. Um, I, I was kind of surprised. I thought Andahar might be able to get some DH at bats, but with, with Judge and Stan, they need that spot for those two guys. Uh, Luke Voigt also moved into the American League lead in home runs, maybe even Major League lead. He had his 17th during the game already on Tuesday evening as we record. Um, he's put himself, and we'll, we'll, we'll zig a little bit here. Has Voigt done enough to put himself in the American League MVP race? I mean, he's been carrying this team at different points. Uh, while they've been missing all of these guys, is he in the conversation with Abreu and Anderson? And will Abreu and Anderson being on the same team maybe split some of their votes? Yeah, I think it could. And a guy like Void, I mean, his numbers are impressive. And yeah, maybe obviously speed doesn't matter, so he's got nothing there. But the batting average is fine at 270, 335 on base is fine. I think he's going to get votes. I don't think he wins it, uh, mm-hmm. but I definitely think he, his name's going to get tossed in the hat. Interesting. Uh, your boy Byron Buxton, very oh. interesting. So we got eight home runs, one stolen base. Um, he's third on the Twins in slugging, but he's got a 1% walk rate. So what do we make of your little, little mixed bag of Byron Buxton treats? Because I, I thought at the least, if I was able to get him in a draft, I'd be having a chance at double-digit stolen bases. Um, he's got an unbelievable conversion rate. Is it just been the myriad of injuries causing him not to run? Perhaps. Yeah, I think that's in play. But, I mean, he's been decent this year. The walk rate uh, stinks. But, yeah, he was a guy, you know, we were both touting as a 2020 guy here in the 60-game season. Um, <laughs> fell short a little bit of those marks. But, honestly, it's, 
it's for me with a guy like Buxton, I'm concerned about the stolen bases, but I am encouraged with some of the the power that he's displayed. So hopefully next year in a full season, we can kind of capitalize on that 2020 that we've been calling for years now. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. Only one stolen base. I think you got to be right. Um, I think it's kind of the the component of with his 24 hits on the year, a third of them have been home runs. So that takes out some of those opportunities. He's not walking. It just, it's just, right. it's a combination of the injuries. And just honestly, when all you do is hit home runs and doubles, it's you just have minimal bases to steal. That's that, that is possible. But I mean, I, I mean, I he can't know. steal third and home every time. You know what I mean? No, of course not. But I mean, his speed was on display that time. He beat out the the infield oh. hit to win the game there. I mean, and of course, our buddy John and Pemba was tweeting right after that. Is he on the IL now? But I'm sure he's taking a little shot at you there. But you know, oh my goodness gracious, the Yankees are pouring it on as if there wasn't enough going on Tuesday night. Gary Sanchez shows a pulse. He actually just hit a three run home run. So. Uh, Sean Yamaguchi, last I saw, was wearing it. I don't know who is now for the Blue Jays, but it's getting ugly in the Bronx right now as they're trying to catch Toronto for that second spot in the standings, which could end up being a very pivotal thing. Um, We're going to transition a little thing here to the Blue Jays. Uh, Ken Giles was activated over the weekend. The team was smart and said that they weren't going to put him back into save situations right away. But over the weekend, his fastball was averaging 94.6 miles per hour. I mean, for most pitchers, that would be okay. But for a guy, this this is showing three straight years of that fastball in decline. He has not pitched in a back-to-back outing since July 4th of last season. Can anyone trust Ken Giles? I, I picked up Rafael Dolis last week in a TGFBI, and I've been happy if Pi to get him for $7 because I've already gotten three saves. Um, I'm keeping Dolis active because I don't think they trust Giles, but I want to get your thoughts on him being a former pitcher. Yeah, I, I can't believe back in 2017, his average fastball was 98 miles an hour. And before that, he was hovering 97, anywhere from the low, you know, 97.2, 97.9. Now we're all the way down at 94.5. I don't know what you're getting from exactly like you said. It's the fastball's in decline. He can't pitch or isn't pitching. He had um, to throw the day. slider more than anything last year, and that helped his strikeout rate, but that that tweaked his elbow. Yep, and then you just look this year, exit velocity up. You know, ex, you know, just it's just not good. I Perhaps you can try to get something out of him. Honestly, best case scenario, if you sign him, he does well in the first half, and you ship him off. That's honestly the best case scenario with a guy like Ken Giles next year. Yeah, uh, it, this is uh, ill time for him entering free agency. This is going to be less than optimal. Him and Kayla both entered the offseason with with more question marks than answers. It's going to make it very difficult for them to get any sort of a reasonable contract, even on a one-year deal. It's going to be uh, it's going to be tough. Um, backtracking to the Pirates here, um, I, I'm going to try and lean on you because uh, they active. They called up Blake Cedarland. He's been on the taxi squad for a while. Uh, in the spring, he gained the nickname of Baby Thor because he kind of has hair similar to him, uh, similar size and build. Uh, sometimes his fastball is a little straight, but he was working on a cutter and other things. Is this our closer of the future in Pittsburgh? I mean, if they're such a thing, you're using future very strongly. Um, <laughs> but well, we only got twelve. <laughs> we only got twelve games left this year, so right. Yeah, I mean, perhaps you look at the overall numbers in the minors. They're not Crick's overly back impressive. on the IL. Yeah, and you look at his numbers. The minors not overly impressive. Um, but 178 strikeouts, 184 innings, not bad. The 93 walks is a little bit worrisome to say the Correct. least. 
Yes. Um, but like you said, baby Thor, it, it's, it's funny when you, when you, when you search him, he's got the hair like on Google, then you go to his uh, MILB page and he has no long hair. I thought I was on the wrong person. I'm trying to look up <laughs> numbers here. Totally different person, but yeah, perhaps he'll be a great guy. And if he develops, he'll be a perfect trade chip for them. Just like every other prospect is, but just, you know, such as woe being a pirates fan. So sometimes when, when we're trying to look at like the 2021 season, we spoke about some pitchers last week, guys on the rise and Corbin Burns has done nothing to uh, dis- dissuade our, you know, our, our excitement about him going forward. Quang Hyung Kim came back off of the IL fired seven shutout innings. And again, yeah, it was Milwaukee and they've been struggling, but this, this puts him at four consecutive games with St. Louis with at least five innings pitched and no earned runs allowed. That's the first Cardinals pitcher to do it since Bob Gibson in 1968. So, I mean, I know Kim is not an overpowering guy, but is he somebody that is going to possibly be quite a bargain next year as a, as somebody you can help you with your ratios and you can get your strikeouts elsewhere. Yeah, I think so. There's, I mean, there's always going to be plenty of guys that you can get <clears throat> your strikeouts from. So yeah, I think he's going to be an interesting guy. And if people aren't buying into uh, some of his numbers this season, I mean, that's crazy that he's the first Cardinal since Bob Gibson to do that. And you have a myriad of great starters to have run through that organization. since and, then. And what, so. and what Flaherty did in the second half last year. Not to mention the like 38 years of Adam Wainwright that they had. So um, <laughs> those are only home starts. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, but yeah, I think Kim's a guy next year. I think he'll be very interesting in terms of how people value him. And honestly, it's going to be a mixed bag. Some people are going to buy into this. Some are going to say, well, without that velo, he can't sustain that. Um, it's honestly going to be personal preference with Kim next year. Uh, Jesus Luzardo, I've given up on him in DFS, and I'm thanking thanking myself for that because I saw people recommending him. Uh, for his start in Seattle, but Jesus Lazardo is almost turning into a home only start. And then after two times through the lineup, it's like the, the clock strikes midnight and he can't pitch anymore. Um, is he going to be able to solve this into next season? I mean, I know he lost some time ramping up. There's been injury issues in the past, but if he can't get through a lineup more than more than twice, I mean, what, what is his ceiling? And next year, would you rather take him or Kim? Well, I'm probably going to go Lazardo, but I think what's going to almost have to happen is if he can't get through or, you know, that, that third time through the order, today, maybe today, the best case scenario is go the opener. The Tampa Bay that's, thing and put an opener in front that's, of him? That's what I'm going to think because I'm, I'm looking at the numbers here when you're talking about that, and it just it's a pretty – staggering ladder upwards in terms of like ERA two four one to four three two to nine point zero and some of the other things batting yeah, the average, wheels come off fast. Yeah, it, it, and it but it, and it's one of those things too. It's a very linear uh progression upwards to those higher numbers. So I I almost think at this point if he doesn't prove it early next year, I think you give him a couple starts out the gate, let him see if he can figure it out, work through it, and then if not they got it. I think they're going to have to go to the opener. And honestly, for fantasy, that's not the worst thing. Four innings to get a win, three innings to get a win. Um, no, let no, them go through I, twice. But yeah, it, no, absolutely. You're doing it correctly. I'm all for it. I don't mind. But it's just, you know, it's something I think that needs to be addressed. And, uh, you know, Puck can't get healthy. I mean, that, that's, that's – I think Oakland has a window this year. They're going to try and push all the chips in and go for it. I would think Luzardo in the postseason would be a reliever or would need that opener thing if they're going to have him work in a playoff game. 
Um, so we already talked about the Dodgers and Padres, so I'm not going to bemoan that fact. We did allude to the the Anderson and Brego thing, so I'm going to skip over that. Uh, here's a fun one I saw. Uh, tonight being September 15th, this is the first time since August 8th that the Astros will have George Springer, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, and Alex Bregman in the same lineup. Um, that's nice, and Spring, uh, Springer did hit a leadoff home run this evening on Tuesday night. Uh, does does this do anything for you with Houston, or does is all of this null and void if Justin Verlander can't get back for the playoffs? Yeah, I think they would. Probably I mean, the five it. in a row really hurts Houston. <clears throat> oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think they would be. It's great to have to have those five back, but I bet you if they were internally, if they could do it, they'd be like, you know, if we had to lose one of these guys to get Verlander back. We might be thinking about that. Uh, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. Having Verlander is going to hurt them more than having these couple of guys on the line of back helps them. Yeah, Krinky can't do it by himself out there. That's going to be a tough one. So um, we're coming down to these last 12 days. It's going to be a wild finish. We've got teams with all over the place. Um, if you missed it on Tuesday evening, the game in Seattle was canceled due to air quality, even though they played a doubleheader the day before. They're going to play those games in San Francisco with Seattle as the home team, as if we needed 2020 getting any stranger. Uh, those will be happening the next two days. Um, but I, I've, something I, I heard a different person talk about um, earlier in the season was um, streaming hitters. You know, we always talk about streaming pitchers, but streaming hitters is something that sometimes it gets a little overlooked. Uh, and, and I focused my article on Sunday about the the remaining schedules for the teams. And I wrote out some guys that were hot and some players of interest. And the player I highlighted from Tampa Bay was Nate Lowe, not Brandon Lau, Nate Lowe. You got to make sure you say those names right. I looked it up before we before we recorded. So. Um, I needed a little bit. Uh, I was looking for some home runs in the TGFBI. I had a little bit of fob left, so I put a robust $12 bid in on Nate Lowe, and he's already paying off in this game against Washington on Tuesday night. He had a home run his first at-bat, hit a single to the opposite field his second at-bat, and stole his first major league base uh, in that same contest. I added him more for the five games against Baltimore coming up this weekend. But everything I get is gravy at this point. Um, do you think, you know, looking at who hitters have coming up a week ahead of time, like, you know, on Sunday when they're running those fabs and, and those uh, NFBC contests, uh, is, is this something that needs to be more uh, used by owners uh, when they're when they're taking some of that fab money? Yeah, absolutely. Because if, if you get the good matchups and you want to be out ahead of it a little bit, um I mean, obviously you want to use all your money because you can't take it with you, but yeah, be looking ahead. Like some of the guys that you had, yeah, maybe they don't help you till later that week, but at this point you just need the stats. You need to do it and you need to just take the time to look here. Um, like some of the situations that have been pointed out already, it's take a look there, see who's going to Baltimore, see who's going to Colorado, see, see where you can get those matchups. And at this point, don't be afraid to cut bait with people. We got 12 days left, a couple games load up because you want to have those bats in your lineup and just accrue all the counting stats that you have left. Absolutely. It's funny because somebody was like, should I be adding um, Blake? Uh, was it DJ Stewart or I forgot who the other batter was. Uh, it, it was a guy who asked me questions all the time. And I was like, you're using 
uh, the one guy this week because he had the much better matchups this week. I think it was a, a different uh, Ray, not low, but somebody else on the raise with those Baltimore games looming. And then I said next week you're getting DJ Stewart because Baltimore is going to Boston and then they're going to Buffalo to play the to play Toronto. So, I mean, those are two great hitter parks for the Orioles down the stretch. So if you've got Mount Castle and guys of that nature, uh, that's a great way to finish the season with those guys and those and those ballparks against those staffs, especially the the Boston pitching group is, is struggling. And, you know, the Yankees get to play the Boston three times down the stretch. They're going to have four games in Buffalo. Uh, Miami still has 14 games left on the schedule. We've spoken about how that helps Starling Marte and others. They got three still left against Boston. They're playing the, the Nationals this weekend. The team, they've raised the white flag, shutting down guys in their bullpen. Uh, and Colorado hitters, this is your last week to enjoy them. They're at home this week, and then next week they're on the road each game. So if you've got somebody other than Trevor Story and a couple other people, if you want to shut them this like this weekend, I'll be dropping Rymel Tapia, even though he's been hitting over 300, because I'm going to try and get somebody else in those matchups that we highlighted above. Um, uh, any any parting shots? Do you have one more uh, strategy or uh uh, your not strategy, but the uh, category impact coming up this Friday. Will that be the finale? I think we'll have two more. I'm sure we'll probably get one last uh, one next week. Um, by the time everyone's listening to this, uh, the poll on my Twitter will be there. So at Colby R. Conway, get your votes in for the, I guess this would be considered the penultimate uh, category impact for the season. And honestly, just my last parting thought is just have fun with what we have left. Uh, it's honestly, it's, it's a hell of an accomplishment to have made it this far. We had some issues early. I was scared as hell that we wouldn't get there. Um, but it seems like we, you know, they were locked it down. Players took accountability in terms of what they needed to do to make sure that the games could be played. We've dealt with wildfires, murder hornets. It's, it's been a heck of a year. So honestly, just enjoy the baseball season. We made it. We got here. We made it this far. Honestly, just just enjoy what's left with it. Have fun and go win the title. Yes, and make sure, I think what people fail to do, and it's awesome that you do those category impacts, because going into this last like five weekend, you really need to see, is there a category I can make up two or three points by getting a player or two, and you really have to hone in on them, whatever you got left, sell it out, flush it into the system, and go get those things that address an exact need that might make the difference. And, and and on the flip side of that, you might have to go in and see if there's, if it's like two teams playing for it. And, and I know in my one league, it's, it's going to be me or another team. I might have to see if there's a player I want to add to block him because I have $8 left in FOB and my opponent has zero. So there might be a player or two he needs to get ahead of me. I might just add them so he cannot. And I, I think that's something that people fail to take into account. So really pay attention to those standings, see where you can move up, see where the people you're competing with can move up and then make your final moves based upon those situations. So Kobe, as always, thanks for being on. Stay safe down there. And I hope uh, everything keeps going well. And also make sure you're following Kobe for all the stuff outside of his Texans love for his uh, football knowledge that he's dropping also on the, for the fancy alarm family. I, I know Howard is doing, was doing a big uh, wave wire show on Sirius today and all the great content rolling out. We still got NASCAR races, hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs. There's a game seven tonight, I believe with Denver. So tons of sports going on. 
uh, stay stay with Fancy Alarm across all those formats and stay ahead of the competition. So, Kobe, until next week when we record uh, the last one of the regular season, be safe. And then same, to, same goes to all of the Fancy Alarm family. Until next time, we are out.